everybody, and welcome to the In Contention podcast. I am Joey Pasco, one of your hosts, alongside Ruben Bressler. What's up, folks? And Cranny couldn't make it today. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, Cranny, Cranny had some business to attend to um, and uh, couldn't be with us today, but we are still here. We are. Opposite sides of the country. Ruben is yeah. still in Vegas. That's right. I'm spending the week in Las Vegas. I've never been here before. Sounds pretty awesome from, from what, yeah, uh, it's, it's what I gather. Much. It's a little much. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's, it's a little much. It's, it's a little much. It's, there's a little bit too much happening. Um, like, I could see myself visiting maybe once a year. Yeah. Maybe. But uh, if I lived here, I would probably just go crazy. Yeah, I, I've never been... But uh, before we before we get into all of our, our topics today, I wanted to remind everyone, and this is a, this is a pretty big reminder because this is a pretty special weekend coming up. In Contention right. is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series, and this weekend the Open Series comes to Los Angeles, California, featuring the Invitational with a total weekend prize pool of $100,000. That's ridiculous. Uh, so there's, there's an Open and there's an Invitational, so... Uh, very, very cool. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into scglive.com and catch Cedric Phillips, Adrian Sullivan, and Patrick Sullivan with both Ruben Bresler and Glenn Jones in the sideboard, bringing you guys all the action. The Twitter hashtag for the weekend is SCGNV, that's I-N-V-I, so you can use that to join in the discussion, and if you can't make it out, you can be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Does that, uh, that, and those can be applied to next year's invitationals, right? Yes. So uh, you can go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash SCGOP, and maybe we'll see you guys at the next Invitational if you uh, if you qualify. Right. So. so let's briefly run down the hashtags here since Cranny's not here. Um, got kind of a bare-bones episode here, but uh, we got a lot to talk about the Invitational. So we're going to first recap Star City Games Vegas. Um, hashtag SCG Vegas was this past weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll briefly touch on Standard and Modern as we look forward to hashtag SCG Envy this weekend. Uh, you know, it'll be the first invitation in a little while without Delver of Secrets being a major player in the metagame. Uh, at, at least, least in, in standard, standard, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we'll touch on GP Toronto with a little bit of modern discussion. And we had enough comments last week um, about the trigger... Trigger discussion. Rules. We're yeah. going to trigger part two. Um, we'll uh, we'll briefly touch on that. So that'll be that'll be a, a there's a nice short and sweet episode. Yeah, definitely. So so yeah, let's let's start with Vegas. So so how yeah. about how about these Naya decks? Right. <laughs> like, so at some point, someone realized you know having all of the you know having two of the three dual lands in your deck is sweet. For some of these uh, shards, but or wedges, you know, like junk and uh, bant. Right. But then they were like, you know what? A lot of the more powerful cards, like Huntmaster of the Fells, aren't crossed over yet. So we just want to keep using them. And we've got these other dual lands that are still available. We've also got Cavern of Souls. Solar Man is good enough. And then the powerful cards came out to play instead of the mana. And uh, it's one back-to-back opens this Naya deck. Yeah, Brian Page takes down the uh, the standard open in Vegas with Naya mid-range, uh, but his opponent Jun Yu in the uh, in the finals was also kind of it was four-color mid-range, but I mean it was kind of a Naya deck with blue. I think that's even how you. Yeah, it was, you Naya, it. It was Naya splashing Sinks's revelation. Right. So mostly a Naya deck. Yeah, and June was uh, the number one overall seed. He went undefeated until the finals. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. he uh, went nine zero in the Swiss, won the quarters, won the semis, barely lost the finals. Yeah, uh, a couple weeks ago in Baltimore, uh, a friend of mine played the the black red zombies list. Uh, my friend Kenny showed up with it, yeah. and he was he he didn't really feel like he liked it. I mean, he didn't do that well with it, and he just felt like he didn't like it. But he was you know he's been playing Naya since Ravnica rotated in, and he decided to jump ship. And it seems like he jumped ship at just the wrong time because this is exactly, yeah, exactly. Naya suddenly looking really good. And uh, we were talking yeah, well, about. Yeah, 
With the big red zombies, the big black red zombies with Hell, with Hellrider and Thundermaw Hellkites uh-huh. coming up to the forefront, uh, Centaur Healer on turn three, and then either Restoration Angel or Huntmaster on turn four, followed by Thrag Tusk on turn five, is a very, very powerful strategy because life gain has just never been better. Yeah. And I think we kind of touched on that uh, either last week or a couple weeks ago. Just just yeah. having the life gain stapled onto something else, it's it's huge. You know, you see Sphinx's Revelation, you see Huntmaster, you see obviously Centaur Healer and Thrag Tusk. Um, but it, it's some. It doesn't seem like it's enough though, because you're still seeing. I mean, it is it is enough. Obviously, he wins. Uh, Brian Page wins with a Nia deck, but we're still seeing a huge, like a saturation of of kind of these black-red zombies lists. Uh, right. Still seems still to be... still able the, to capitalize on the more pure control lists. Yeah. Um, but the mid-range versions can, you know, put a game away after they've created enough of a cushion. Yeah, so looking at the... Just the top eight has uh, three different black-red zombies. So that's a little bit of a decline. I think the previous week had uh, had four... In the top eight, uh, can't remember specifically. Yeah, it's still a lot of black red zombies, and then you can still see uh, a few more lists in the top sixteen. And it looks like even the control lists that had kind of been picking up some steam seem to have fallen off a little bit. Notice, like, there's no Bant in the uh, in the top eight. There's one in, in ninth. Uh, Blue white flash seems to have disappeared. Although, so so this is kind of something that I thought was. Was amusing. We had blue, white, red mid range, uh, which was going strong for a few weeks earlier in the season, and then there was blue, white flash, and then there, then there was blue, white flash splashing red for pillar of flame, which seems to have kind of come full circle back around to the blue, yeah. white, red flash or blue, white, red mid range right. again. So it's for the uh, second or third week. Yeah, it seems like. Uh, these decks, it's kind of like this circular evolution back into blue, white, red mid-range, and I think that's pretty necessary given the the amount of. Well, you basically just need to be playing Pillar of Flame. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, to combat the early aggression and turn turn the black red deck into sort of a a bad mid-range deck. Right. It's uh it's interesting. Eighth place there. In uh, in Vegas, in standard, uh, it's a name I recognize. Well, I, I recognize several names, but how about Glenn Jones? That's right. <laughs> made he the played top another eight. Naya deck in the top eight. He played uh, Naya Splash Black. This was a Brad Nelson deck, I believe. Either that or it's a Martin Juza deck. Um, I think it's Brad Nelson. Black and Rice and Flashing Back Lingering Souls. And I thought that deck looked very good. Yeah, Glenn and Brad were chatting on Twitter back and forth about it, um, and so I get the impression that it was a it was a Brad deck, and it seems like Glenn seemed pretty happy with it from what I could tell, um, and obviously making top eight, not too shabby. Right. He's used to being on the yeah, other side of. What's that? I said that's pretty good. Yeah, he's used to being on the other side of the sideboard, but uh, did he did did you interview him? Um. I don't think I interviewed him on camera. He uh, he came in to help break down the uh, the legacy top eight for me. Oh, okay. So he he didn't actually you didn't get a uh, a player's interview with him. No. Okay. Uh, so I think you know here we have you know, Vegas is the last standard open before the Invitational. We've got Naya. We've got zombies. We've got kind of four-color Naya decks, even if that uh, fourth color is is different. Uh, we've got blue-white-red mid-range. We've got band control just outside of the top eight. Um, Reanimator is still a deck. It's, it's, right. I think it's pretty fair to say that we're, we're getting, you know, we're, we're just on the precipice of getting some gatecrash spoilers, and this yeah. format isn't even really solved yet. Yeah, it's a really, like, Good format, turns out. Um, there's there's a little bit of a problem with the Thragtusk thing, but people seem to have worked around that problem for a couple of weeks. As long as we continue to uh, find ways around the Thragtusk issue, then I think that it's a, a completely fine card. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this 
compared to the last, say, the last Invitational. The last Invitational was before rotation. Delver was still pretty much the most popular and, and the quote-unquote best deck, I think, at the time. And I think that's generally something that people can agree on. And the thing about Delver was you couldn't really... Like, if you were playing Delver, it brought a ton of other cards with it. You know, you're like, if I'm yeah. playing Delver, I'm playing Ponder. If I'm playing these two, I'm playing Mana Leak. I'm playing Gitaxian Probe. I'm play- you know, all these other cards, I'm playing Vapor Snag. Yeah. All these cards kind of went into Delver shell. So they're, Delver decks were 75% the same, and, you know, you might be able to change a few cards here and there. You could play Hero of Bladehold over Restoration Angel or something like that, but generally yeah. it was it was the same deck. But Thrag Tusk, even though it may be even arguably more ubiquitous than uh, than Delver, it's show, showing up in just this huge variety of decks. There's so many different cards in it, yeah. It could either have Farseek, or it could have Huntmaster... It could have Angel Serenity. It could have Thundermaw Hellkite. It could be surrounded by any number of different cards. Yeah, I mean, you've seen some of these Bant lists. It's the only creature in the entire deck. It's, you know, four right. Thrag Tusks, that's it. Uh, some of the Bant control lists. And so, you know, it's really... It, it's It might be everywhere, but it is not defining the format in a deck sense, like Delver was. Uh, Correct. Even if you're seeing a ton of them. And, and so I think... Going into this Invitational, I think I- I'm really excited to see what the players do with, uh, you know, with the format as is. We've got I, what I think is obviously the top deck is still the black red, uh, big zombies. Even though Naya won this past weekend, I still think yeah. the deck to beat is black red zombies. You need to be able to beat that deck because it just it's all over the place. But the players in, in the Invitational sometimes are more willing, because of the huge prize pool, to take gambles and play some kind of, play something off, kind of off the radar, or you, you saw it last time, uh, what I keep thinking of is the, the solar flare decks that were splashing for Thrag Tusk at the end of... Now, the opposite was true at the last Invitational, though. Everybody stayed home. No one wanted to take a risk, and everybody played Blue-White Delver, and the few that didn't uh, some of them were rewarded. Well, that's that's what I'm getting at. Like you, you saw, wasn't it the, the solar four color solar flare with it was just solar flare splashing thrag tusk that yeah. uh, that we saw doing well, and that that's what uh, you know some of these players that are willing to take the risks are rewarded because they they kind of found an opening in the metagame and and also took advantage of the fact that people aren't really preparing for a four color solar flare deck when. The last time Solar Flare was good was, you know, a month or two earlier. Uh, yes. We really didn't see... Solar Flare was huge at the beginning, you know, this time last year, right after Innistrad came out. But otherwise, it only kind of popped up occasionally throughout the year before uh, before yeah. uh, Ravnica's rotation. Uh, or the now, rotation that brought in Ravnica. The thing to keep in mind is that the high-level... A lot of high-level players don't like to play decks like Black-Red Zombies because yeah. they feel like it doesn't have enough, they don't have enough control of their own destiny. Right. In spite of how powerful the deck may be, they still prefer, you know, blue cards and uh, uh, large titan-like things, so they may shy away from a black-red zombie. Yeah, uh, it, the thing with that deck, you're kind of at, you're kind of at the mercy, mercy of the top of your deck, and yeah. you can't really do anything, and if, if the, the gas isn't there, you're just not able to do anything, but that now, deck. there was an interesting innovation in one of the Black Red Zombies decks this weekend to run Simon Blood again. Ah, I didn't actually catch that. Is it one of the ones that top aided? I think it was Emmett. Emmett Clarkson? Um, I forget his last name. Uh, Clarkson, yeah, here it is. Sign in Blood. Yeah, he had Sign in Blood and in the main deck. And also, uh, he was running. he was going back to running Blood Artist. And he was running Brimstone Volley over Pillar of Flame. Wow, yeah, this I is really, actually... Which I really like, because you don't really need to answer the little guys in the zombie mirror. Typically, the zombie mirror comes to going over the top. And dealing five is real good. Yeah, that's a really interesting direction to take the deck in. He, he came in third place. Uh, Blood Artist, we saw it in Baltimore, too. Uh, kind of wasn't in the original lists, you know, the big black red zombies 
lists, but people were yeah, using it in Baltimore. A of, a, of a little zombies. Yeah. Comparatively. Yeah, so, like, no Thundermaw Hellkites in Emmett's list. So his, yeah, his aren't the big zombies. He's The biggest thing he's got is uh, Hellrider, really. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like no Falcon. Oh, there's the Falconrath Aristocrat. Sorry, I thought thought that wasn't in the deck for a second. So he's got Aristocrat, and he's got Hellrider, uh, but no Thundermaws. So, but it's still, yeah, it still seems like there's room in the format for for pretty much every kind of deck. There's no combo, but that's not anything super crazy. But you can play, like, you know, the fast aggro, you can play the mid-range aggro, and you can play variants of control where you've got, like, these tempo blue-white flash or blue-white flash variants. And then you can go really slow control where you're winning with, you know, a... Uh, Nathalia Drownyard out of a band deck, <laughs> you know, so these elixir decks I, as uh, they tend to be. That's I, I still feel like that deck is really strong, and I think it, given what you were just saying about a lot of the players in the Invitational, uh, kind of wanting to play decks with library manipulation where they have a little bit more control over their their decisions and how the the games go, uh, and then the fact that. Maybe, yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think that we're going to see a lot more control decks. Bant control may really make a good showing because I still feel like it's probably the best control deck in the format. Um, sure. Although we're going to see a lot of magic go into time if that's the case. Well, I mean, it's not like Bant control has fallen off completely. It won Seattle. Um, Reduke top eight back to back Grand Prix with it, even though Zombies won those Grand Prix. So it's not like the deck isn't good. It just happens to not win those tournaments. Yeah, it only one in the top sixteen is what I was uh, I was kind of looking at first for SCG Vegas. Just one there. Um, well, that, that, that that's just because people tend to look at the very top of the leaderboard and not explore the rest of their options. Right. They see the they see the zombies one two in a row and think, oh man, one two in a row. It has to be the best deck. And so more people play it than probably should. Sure. Which is why a mid-range deck probably won two weeks in a row, is because a, a, uh, a larger amount of people than probably should have been playing zombies played zombies, and they had more matchups that they could win. So, uh, on to another tournament, another standard tournament happened this past weekend. There was a Grand Prix in Nagoya, which was, uh, uh-huh. which was won by... Yuji Okita, who was playing uh, yeah. a new variant on the reanimator strategy that we've seen. So Right, I saw this list. This list is very exciting. So, yeah, good. I guess uh, basically the the big card that, you know, that jumps out at you when you see it is Chronic Flooding. Uh, you right. See, you see uh, basically Chronic Flooding was kind of just dismissed as some, you know, bad limited card or maybe an average limited card. Uh you didn't really expect to see it uh, in standard in a constructed format, but uh, he takes this deck or, and takes you know the reanimator shell and says, "What is another way to fill my graveyard?" And he's got chronic flooding, four copies in the deck. The thing about chronic flooding for this deck in particular is that it's, a, it's an Angel of Glory's Rise deck. Right, that's what you're reanimating here, and Angel of Glory's Rise wants you to fill up your graveyard with as many humans as possible. And so you're not trying to put up one specific creature in the graveyard, like a like a Crater Hope Behemoth right. or an Angel Serenity. You're trying to fill up your graveyard with as many humans as you possibly can. Yeah. So Chronic Flooding is able to put nine cards in your graveyard over the course of three turns and uh, make the Angel of Glory rise significantly better. It becomes even more dangerous as the game goes on. Yeah, and uh, one of the other cards that's kind of, well, besides besides Chronic Flooding, another card that jumps out at you is one copy of Gold Knight Commander. Uh, yeah. Which is a 2-2 whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn, and it's a human. So when you've got Angel of Glory's Rise and you reanimate that and you bring back just a couple of guys, you've got Huntmaster, uh, you've got, well, you've got Zealous Conscripts, and you basically, right. you bring back. Scripts is the kill. Yeah, and and, and I, then there's the is it Staticaster Nightshade Peddler combo that we've seen pop up from time to time. Four of each of those. Right. This is the first time we've seen it in a in the reanimator combo though. Yeah, 
so it's like these are all humans. These are all coming back with an angel of glory's rise. And Gold Knight Commander, just as that one of, pumps all those guys, uh, depending on how many of the humans you happen to have reanimated. But that's huge. And Staticaster has haste. Zealous Conscripts has haste. So you could potentially just kill... You, know, you could Unburial Rites and Angel of Glory's Rise and just get the kill that turn because uh, Gold Knight yeah. Commander and a couple of haste guys are involved. So Yeah, th- and that's, that's... You pretty much Zealous Conscripts, one of your own creatures, usually the Gold Knight Commander, and attack for about 30. Right, yeah, so you can... It's a very effective combo. You can do a, a number of things with the conscripts. You can steal, like, maybe their one blocker or their biggest blocker, you know, whatever is going to m- maybe give you enough to win. But if, if they have an empty board, no blockers, you can just give one of your other guys haste. Or if their blocker is, you know, not not all that tempting, it's better to, for you to have an extra uh, haste guy on your side. Like you said, Gold Knight Commander could be the uh, I was a little surprised. That a reanimator deck was able to win a tournament this weekend with all of our with all the graveyard hate that had been floating around. Pretty much every list I'd seen had either rest in peace or cremate or purify the grave somewhere in the list. Yeah, and maybe it's just or not enough. Seal. Yeah, I mean, ground seal. I know we've been seeing occasionally, uh, even as a main deck card in some of the bant control lists. But looking at the top eight of Nagoya is kind of crazy because besides that deck. Uh, and then there's another uh, another kind of it's more of a hoof reanimator deck uh, that Kenji Samura played and uh, made the top eight. You know, not that that's something we shouldn't be mentioning. Pretty awesome Hall of Famer Kenji Samura is uh, right. is, is showing his muscle again. Uh, so besides those two decks, you look and you just see a ton of black red zombies. Thundermall Hellkite is just all over the top eight of Nagoya. I'm just scrolling through the decks. Um, there was a Naya deck in there that, you know, so it's not Black Red Zombies, but four Thundermall Hellkites. Uh, that wow. card just seems to have uh, have dominated that that top eight. Uh, yeah, the Far East loves Thundermall Hellkite more than we do. They were the first ones to adopt the blue-white-red mid-range that had Thundermall Hellkite in right. it. Um, it saw play back even when we were still obsessed with blue-white Delver. So we're a little slow on the uptake with that card, but uh, it's certainly showing its muscle. And I heard that Thundermont Hellkites were going for $60 U.S. on the floor of GP Nagoya. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And that can also, I mean, that goes to show you how much certain cards can go for just before a tournament. But that doesn't mean yeah. that that's how much you should be trading for them at your local shop. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the whole idea is these guys are trying to get them for, the, uh, for that event. And well, they're up to thirty now, right? Yeah, I think so. so thirty or maybe even forty, but um, I, I know the the price was pretty high. I'm, I'm actually curious, so I'm going to find that out right now. Thundermall. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it has been getting yeah, a lot of Thundermall yeah. Thundermall certainly is uh, is showing its worth these last couple weeks. Wizards wanted there to be a tournament winning dragon for the first time in a while, and so they made one. Yeah, it's out of stock. At forty dollars on Star City. Wow! So uh, you can still get some some like slightly played ones, uh, but the mint condition ones are, or the near mint ones are uh, thirty nine ninety nine and out of stock. So, wow! I I didn't get mine that long ago. I feel like I I just got them maybe a month ago, and they were like fifteen bucks or something. Well, a month ago, Black Red Zombies wasn't a thing. Yeah. It's crazy how fast things can change, and I think that right. says even more about the format that we're in, where you know it hasn't been solved. There are things that haven't really uh, even shown up yet, or at least not in the force that they're capable of. And Thundermall Hellkite's a good example because it was around. We've had it. It's not like it was even just printed in uh, in Return to Ravnica. It was around already for a couple of months prior to that, and you know. People kind of were like, that looks like a cool card, but I'm not going to play it in my Delver deck. So <laughs> sure. um, so looking forward to the Invitational, what what kind of uh, – what are you expecting, I think, out of the standard portion in the Invitational? Well, there's a couple things. Naya has now won two Opens in a row, the last two Opens before uh, the Invitational. It is very difficult for a deck to win three 
tournaments in a row, three weekends in a row. Um, and so I imagine that because Naya was the answer to Black Red Zombies, there will be an answer to Naya, and that is probably going to be stepping in the direction of either Combo, Reanimator probably, in terms of Combo, or uh, or more Control. And so I would anticipate a step in the control direction, considering how the metagame usually shakes out at these invitationals. Um, and so I would anticipate control decks to be more popular, but I actually think that a, if, you, if, a, if a combo deck, either Reanimator or Omniscience or something like that, um, could find its way into Day 2, it could play a bunch of these control decks and just be bigger than them in the end game and, uh, and, and take the tournament. So I, I actually think that something wacky like the, uh, the Omnidor Thragfire could win. Yeah, so... Just by the way that the, the environment's shaking out. So, actually, it, you mentioned Omnidor. I kept seeing some... Uh, I kept seeing that merging of two words, I guess. I was going to say that word, but I guess right. it's a word. So, yeah, I kept seeing people talking about that. That what what is Omnidor? So Omnidor is just a omniscience sort of combo deck in standard. With um, what you do is you play, you get an omniscience into play, and it's, it it plays like a traditional bant control list for a lot of the time, except that it also has chromatic lanterns. Um, and so it has far seeking chromatic lantern, and it plays a lot of lands. Okay. And at some point, you probably play omniscience during your main phase or sneak it in with Alchemist's Refuge. Um, that's a lot of mana. Once you have, what? So that's a lot of mana. Flashing in an omniscience yeah. with an Alchemist's Refuge. And so what, what you do at that point is you, you can start comboing off, really. Uh, it runs Increasing Ambition which allows you to search your deck for a temporal mastery, and then you take your take an extra turn. Untap, flash back increasing ambition, because you have the 10 lands already from Omniscience. Right. Uh, another temporal mastery and a Thrag Tusk. Or, I'm sorry, not, I'm sorry, taking uh, another temporal mastery and another increasing ambition. And you just keep cycling through your deck until you get two Angel of Serenities, or three Angel of Serenities and a Thrag Tusk which allows you to cycle the Thrag Tusks and the Angel Serenities to create infinite tokens and gain infinite life. Oh my or you can just search your library for a door and take an extra turn and kick them out the door. So that, that's the door half of the... Uh, and it also has a copy of World Fire in case you have a, th- a Thrag Tusk in play. <laughs> that's so, so ridiculous. So yeah. people were playing this in Vegas... Yeah, uh, we had a round one feature match with uh, David Williams, um, and he uh, he actually won on camera with this. That is awesome. Yeah, I didn't get to, get to catch any of the live coverage in the archives aren't up yet, but uh, I'll have to check that out. So, geez, that's that's just awesome. I would love to see something like that do well at the Invitational. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, it's funny, uh, a couple of minutes ago, how, you know, you mentioned Reanimator as a combo deck, and uh, just a few minutes before that, I'm like, oh, well, there's no combo in Standard. And I don't know, like, it's, uh, but, uh, besides Omnidor, which is obviously more of a, a combo deck, it's funny to think of Reanimator as a combo deck. For some reason, I just, I see it as this just mid-range deck that just, it's kind of, or like a ramp deck. It just, the way it ramps is it gains mana by casting on burial rites on a, on a guy in a graveyard, you know? So it's sort of hard to, uh, I, or it's not intuitive to me to look at it as a combo deck, but I guess it really kind of is, especially the Angel of Glory's Rise version. I think that one, that one's a little more arguably a combo deck because of the kind of nature of being able to go off uh, with tons of humans. So, so, uh, so moving on to the other half of the Invitational, we have Legacy, and so right. let's, we can look at Vegas as you know again. It's the the final Legacy tournament before. The Invitational. Speaking of combo, we have a lot of combo. Yeah, Sneak and Show takes first place. Uh, Richard Santani brings Sneak yep. and Show back, and we haven't seen that in a while. 
At least That's not true. We have it. Everyone sort of became obsessed with the omniscience show and tell deck, and against him in the finals was Hive Mind, which was another show and tell deck that doesn't have omniscience. Yeah, so show and tell making uh making an its presence known again in the in the top eight. We had Sneak and Show, Hive Mind, Ad Nauseum, uh, and then Elves all in the top eight of Vegas. So that's half of the the top eight is combo. Yes. So anything? What did you see interesting in Vegas uh, in Legacy? Well, the t- I mean, there were just I think there were fifteen archetypes in the top sixteen. Uh, that format is just fantastic. You can play any number of different decks and have success um, on any given weekend, and it just looks like a blast to be able to be playing in Legacy right now. Um, and this particular weekend, combo being heavy, I think is a, a little bit of a symptom of the region. Uh-huh. I think that um, combo decks in the on the West Coast in the down by uh, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, this area. Uh, force of will based combo, I should say. Um, so like, you know, show and tell style decks and, uh, disruption combo as opposed to all in combo. Okay. Is, are more popular in this area. Um, but they weren't just more popular, they were also successful. And so, I think this particular weekend, people, we're thinking, you know, the format's shifting back towards fair decks. Blue-white control was becoming the more the most uh, popular deck again. And people, I think, just forgot that they could lose on turn three in Legacy. And so, uh, yeah, it happened. And uh, I'm very excited by it. Yeah, Elves is another deck you don't see very often in the top eight uh, of the Opens. But it's yeah, a deck I'm that I... Yeah, i all of the Terminuses all day. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's a, that's what I was kind of gonna gonna eventually get to here is like I know you're a big fan of the Maverick deck and that deck just seems to have it, like did somebody ban Knight of the Reliquary that we didn't realize because where where are, where's Mother of Runes where's Knight of the Reliquary yeah. where where's Kasali Pride Mage like these guys all just disappeared from the format uh, and I think Terminus might be a big 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 reason yeah, because Terminus is the main reason the other thing is that Rub Delver. Uh, has sort of fallen away because, uh, you know, the, it's it's just not as powerful as it used to be, and that used to be one of the main, one of the staples of the diet of the Maverick deck. And um, so with our, with our main prey sort of becoming less popular and Terminus becoming more popular, it's just not good times for Maverick. Yeah, it seems like Terminus, almost more than... Any other card is is what makes miracles so good in Legacy. Like, sure, you get yeah. you get entreat the angels if you want it, but really, what you're trying to get is the you know the free wrath, well, the one mana wrath. Um, right. And you, you, we've seen miracles. Joe Lawsett seems to be on a tear because I feel like I see his name almost every weekend in a Legacy uh, yeah. <laughs> a Legacy top eight, uh, and he's he's been on the miracle plan for a long time. Um, in fact, I think he won with it. I can't remember which city it was in, but he won with Miracles not too long ago. Came in fourth place in Vegas. And um, we've, we've seen uh, even different variants of the Miracles decks playing, you know, Helm of Obedience with Rest in Peace in the, the Miracle shell. But, yeah, that, that deck seems to be... I mean... Is it the best fair deck, or do you think that goes to this kind of uh, reemergence of the the bug control decks that have been well pr- before this week have been showing up a lot? Yeah, I really, really like AJ's deck. Um, the the bug sort of tempo deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not truly tempo. But it's uh, it's clo- it's the closest thing to Rug Delver. With without Rug Delver being a thing anymore, really. Um, although there was one in the top sixteen. Yeah, ten and um, uh, ten and Grace actually. Yes, yeah. and uh, and and uh, you know AJ's list with taking you know using Deathstrike Shaman, which was was a big talk of the tournament before Combo became the talk of the tournament. Um, and you know you you have the values of of uh, Deathstrike Shaman and Snapcaster Mage. 
Um, very reliant on the graveyard. If a, if a rest in peace lands, you know, Tarmogoyf, Snapcaster Mage, and Deathrite Shaman are three of your four creatures. So the effectiveness is going to be hampered. But I really like this bugged list that, uh, that AJ played. Yeah, it looks like... It kind of reminds me of of the uh, you know the bug lists that were going around last year, although it did kind of lean much more tempo. I think uh, you know last year we were seeing Snapcaster, Tarmogoyf, and, and Vendillion click together in the bug control lists with with Jace. That's nothing new. Right. Um, in fact, I remember Jerry Thompson even using Snapcaster with Unearth uh, in in a bug yeah. control list in Legacy, which just seemed just like so much fun, but that seems to have disappeared. Um, but now, you know, abrupt decay showing up in, in return to Ravnica kind of, I mean, I know it's making me want to play bug. Uh, although I had, I'm still sticking with miracles at the moment. The bug control list is certainly appealing just because of uh, catch all removal. There are only two of those though. in uh, in AJ's particular list. Right. Feels like it could. It really could be a four of, but maybe there's just not enough. Yeah, room. I think. It, uh, I think that I would probably be playing three mm-hmm. if I were playing next weekend with the fourth in the sideboard. Um, it's tough to play four of that card main deck. Yeah, but uh, I think that uh, I think that three would be something that I would be leaning towards next week. Yeah, he does actually have one in the board, so it's not two. Total, uh, but yeah, I think yeah. I, I'm with you. Maybe three main, one one board. It just seems like such a, an incredible catch-all, um, and with the uh, and I expect uh, you know there to be a number of combo decks in the Invitational on the Legacy side, but I also kind of expect a lot of people to play with uh, the tried and true blue decks. And in that case, right now, I think Blue White Miracles is at the top of that. That list because uh, it has been performing, it has been performing so well since rotation or since uh, terminus was around. I'm sorry, so I, I think I think we're going to see a lot of miracles. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's going to be the most popular deck. Uh, Esper Stoneblade still a uh, a standby for a lot of players. Sixth place to, uh, in in Vegas with uh, Lauren Nolan piloting it. So Lauren Lauren could uh, could repeat. As invitational winner, if he's planning yeah, on going to the, uh, planning on going, I, I imagine he's in Vegas. He's probably going to be able to make it to Los Angeles. Yes, that is the plan. <laughs> so, so that's uh, that's standard and legacy. Obviously, those are the formats of the invitational. Um, but again, we did have another tournament this past weekend that was a little closer to home than Nagoya. Uh, that was not standard or legacy, and that is the modern Grand Prix held in Toronto. Uh, right. GP mana deprived, as, yeah. <laughs> as some have called it. I heard that party was wild. Yeah, I heard that was awesome. I'm a little sad I didn't get to go to that, but yeah, seems like we really missed out. I think, but uh, since you weren't there, I wasn't there. Like, I, I don't feel so bad right now, but you know, sure. <laughs> uh, Willie Edel. Who, uh, who was piloting a, a Jund variant took down the tournament. It was uh, Jund, obviously a staple of of modern, and he's uh, he's thrown the Japanese favorite Thundermall Hellkite into the list and uh, and won the tournament and with it. Jund started uh, using lingering souls. You know, people were were uh, I guess trying to figure out how to beat lingering souls, and they just took the standard answer and put it in modern. Yeah, like how do you beat lingering souls? Thunderbolt Hellkite. All right, I'll just I'll just play that. Yep. So, looking at the top eight deck lists from Toronto, you have a Scapeshift deck. You've got Affinity in there. Uh, I'm sorry, Robot. You've got Jund, of course. Um, there was a, a you know John Stern piloting the Lingering Souls variant of of Jund. Um, Birthing Pod making another appearance because uh, that deck seems like. You know, it's it's sort of a modern staple, but at the same time, I don't feel like it's made uh, it, the it, or its initial impact to look like it was going to be kind of maybe really a dominant deck. But uh, yeah, but, I feel like I haven't seen it in a while. But I, mean, I, I, I know it's around. To, I think people learn how to play it, um, and also it's it, it is the most powerful deck in modern if you have a birthing pot in play. But if you don't have a birthing pilot in play, it's just a really awkward, not even mid-range, like just a really awkward pile of creatures. Yeah, it's kind of a weird rare draft 
looking deck, a whole yeah. bunch of one ofs. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alex Majelton again piloting robots to the uh, to the top eight. Uh, he's that's the second time he's done that in you know what a couple of months. Yeah, he's uh, he's the best robot player on the planet. Seems that way, at least right now. Uh, although I, I think some people uh, they they were having that argument on Twitter, and I think uh, Pierre Canali's name was brought up, but I haven't seen that name in a long, long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, not in any recent tournaments. Um, Dan Jer- Jordan with uh, with kind of uh, lingering souls. I was going to say classic Jund, but he he does have ling- lingering souls. That's maybe becoming the classic Jund list in modern, uh, or the the. Yeah. I think that that's becoming the norm. Yeah, the normal uh, three drop in that deck it shores up a lot of the bad matchups. Yeah, and then in uh, another scape shift deck, and then the deck that I, I wanted to save for last. And now I have to scroll back up to find it. Colin Morton with uh, three creatures, Wall of Omens. That's his creatures, uh, yep. and then nine planeswalkers, Elspeth. Gideon and Jace, Architect of Thought, the, the best four-mana Jace available in Modern. So, like, a Super Friends variant. Yeah, and I finally get my Jace, Architect of Thought in the top eight. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Didn't you call that? You did. That was, a, that was my Planeswalker from my Fantasy Draft. Yeah. Well, it is playable Give in Modern, and it, and it can make Give the top eight. Uh, this deck to me is just super exciting. I mean, for obvious reasons, it is, uh, it's blue white control with planeswalkers. Uh, he's got, you know, as besides the three wall of omens, he does have two copies of batter skull, which are, you know, creatures and three copies of Gideon, which is sort of a creature as well. So Elspeth popping the, uh, popping the dudes out when you need them. So, uh, but this deck looks like a lot of fun. One, uh, one copy of Azorius Signet making the, uh, just ramping up there a little bit, giving you the access to the, the four mana Planeswalker on turn three. Yeah, you only want to have one Signet, though. If you ever draw two, you're just not happy. Yeah. He he does have uh, one additional Signet-esque card, and that's the uh, the Talisman of Progress. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's, he's got the one sig- a Signet at the top and then Talisman of Progress at the bottom. I kind of missed it. Uh, sure. three copies of Alst, another card we haven't seen in a while. But, I like uh, Alst. It's a good one. Yeah, so three Alst and two Path to Exile. That's something something of a surprise because I would think Path would be, you know, you just want to max out on Paths. And if you want the fifth or sixth copy of Path to Exile, you go with maybe Alst then. But he goes well, with, if he's trying to just land Planeswalkers, then Alst is probably just better because if he... You know, if you get the tempo advantage of putting a Tarmogoy for a Dark Confidant, two from the top, then you can land your big Planeswalker, and then by the time it comes back, it doesn't really matter as much. Right. Whereas Path can theoretically ramp your opponent into giving them, you know, and even Jund plays one or two basics, um, maybe three actually, and, uh, you know, they're able to then... Uh, play out Bloodbraid Elves and, and activate Raging Ravine quicker. Yeah. So, I could see that. Yeah, make, it actually does make sense in this deck. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's funny, you see see the removal spells, you see uh, three copies of Detention Sphere, uh, four copies of Spreading Seas, which again was, it, it, this looks like the old Super Friends deck from Standard yep. a couple of years ago. But one... pretty good against four-color Jugs. Yeah. Uh, and... and Four copies of Lingering Souls also in the deck as, you know, some threats and uh, guys to protect the Planeswalkers. But one thing is missing from this deck, uh, at least in the main deck, and that's he has zero main deck counterspells. Wow. Which is interesting in a blue-white control-ish kind of deck. It's, uh, you know, he's he's got a lot of removal, but uh, and then three copies of Supreme Verdict, you know, as a sweeper, but no main deck counterspells. So very interesting list. Uh, and yeah. really cool to see at top eight. Yeah, I think that, uh, that that's a, a very exciting list. It's the first time we've ever seen anything like it have major success on the tournament scene. Um, I'm very excited to see car- to see you know so many planeswalkers make the top eight of a modern event. 
Um, I'm very excited for Spreading Seas. I think that that's a card that's been criminally underplayed so far. Uh, I think that um, the, the no counter spells is something that I anticipated because uh, it just makes sense when there's not as much non-creature-based combo. So when you've got a bunch of creature-based combo, creature elimination also doubles as disruption. So that's not as surprising to me. But uh, the other headline from this event to me is Willie Edel winning and uh, putting up a fight to be the top player from that region up against Paulo. I think a lot of people probably just assumed that Paulo was going to be, you know, going to have an invite to that to the top 16 players championship every year until he left. And uh, Willie Edel doesn't doesn't think that that needs to happen. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, another impressive finish from uh, from Willie Edel. Uh, I did want to mention, um, just outside of the top eight, in ninth place, we had Melissa DeTora piloting a black-white tokens list. So nice. that's pretty cool to see. Uh, you know, the last time I really saw that deck was back when, uh, what was it, Kyoto? Proto- Kyoto? Yeah. yeah. Or Grand Prix. Was it, I'm thinking of the Pro Tour where... Uh, where the the one that Cedric Phillips top aided and uh, well there was a there was a Grand Prix earlier this year. Oh oh, oh yeah um, yeah. I'm talking back in I'm standard. Wondering. That's <laughs> I'm looking at zealous persecution and going like and oh, black white sure. tokens. I forgot that it had actually been in a Grand Prix. I'm thinking uh, I I'm, I look at this deck and I it totally brings me flashbacks to you know uh, uh, why am I suddenly. Forgetting his name. Oh, Nasif. That's who I'm trying to think of. Yeah, Couldn't yeah, think of his yeah. name. Uh, flashbacks to Nasif going, you know, I'm arranging my cruel ultimatum mana. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. it was that top eight where, uh, I think it was LSV pl- piloting the, uh, the black white tokens list. Sure. So, but that, that's what I think of when I see this list. But it has seen play in modern just to, uh, what were you saying a couple months ago? Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a modern, uh, Grand Prix a couple months ago out there in Japan. So. Not not terribly uh, innovative, but certainly surprising to see it continue to have success. Yeah, and, and uh, on that note, I, on the not the not the black white tokens note, but on the Melissa Detora side of things, uh, I did I wanted to mention her article, uh, and, and this kind of can transition us over into the the topic that we talked about just briefly. Um, we talked about it last week, the, the new trigger rules. We kind of uh, made a few points, and there were there was some feedback on our article uh, or on the, the episode on Star City. Um, had some discussions through Facebook with a couple of people, and um, Melissa DeTora just coincidentally happened to write an article on TCG Player about her experience with the, the new trigger rules, and I, th- I think she nailed it as far as my – the points that I was trying to make, how – uh, it feels like the new rules, while they obviously are, uh, you know, they work in a lot of ways. The the rules work the way they're intended. There are certain situations come up where you are are basically, if you follow the rules, you feel scummy, or you feel like your yeah. opponent is being scummy. Um, the one of the examples that she brought up was someone attacked her. She had no creatures on board, and someone attacked her with with their guys, including a Pyreheart Wolf. Didn't announce the trigger because it's irrelevant because there's no blockers. And she played Restoration Angel. And then he said, you know you can't block, right? And she said, well, you didn't announce the trigger. And it's it's like, technically, she's right. He didn't announce the trigger. Yeah. But he didn't announce the trigger because there are no blockers there. And it's like... Ah, that feel. It, you just don't want so many feel bads in Magic, and I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think that, 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 that we we discussed this pretty much ad nauseum last week. That you know the new the trigger rules as they are currently formatted force you to be a little bit scummy, um, which is awkward because you don't want to do that. So yeah, so I, I uh, recommend checking out her article, uh, and that's pretty much exactly. How I feel, I can't think of a thing that I disagreed with in her article, um, and uh, you know, just some more to think about. And again, I think you said it last week, Ruben. We uh, let, bring your opinion to the discussion. Talk uh, talk about it on Twitter with uh, with people. Talk about it. You know, post your responses even on our episode. Like, if we can, as a community, keep discussing this. Obviously, the you know the DCI they want the rules to be 
optimum. So they right. want they want to improve things, and they, they want our feedback. Exactly. So keep uh, you know make your opinion known. Um, I think that's just about everything for the week. What do you think, Ruben? Yeah, I think so. That's about it. Uh, yeah, sorry for the slightly shorter than normal episode. We're uh, we're down a person, so that's a third of the content that we couldn't have. I mean, it's just the way it works, right? No, yep, no, that's, no. that's the way it crumbles. <laughs> but uh, we'll be back. To, we'll be back to full strength uh, next week after the invitational. We'll have lots of invitational discussion. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch that. Uh, keep in mind, the invitational starts on Friday, so you guys can watch. Yeah. SCG Live, you know, starting on Friday morning. Um, what is it? It'll be about ten thirty local time to to uh, Los Angeles. Is that right? Yes. Uh, so it'll be right around East Coast time. It'll be right around one thirty that you'll be able to start watching the Invitational. And uh, I think there's some some cool cool things that are going to be uh, discussed or announced or previewed or mentioned on the uh, Invitational. So you definitely should all be. of the above. Lots yes. of cool announcements. Lots of cool previews. Uh, some cool, uh, you know, my, my normal interviews and things, um, are going to be happening. Uh, the, uh, live news and obviously on Sunday morning. Um, so there's lots of good stuff coming out. Yeah. And, and maybe people will play some, uh, play some magic too on camera. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. That would be cool to watch. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that myself. Ruben, you will be there. So if anybody else, if you're in the uh, in the Los Angeles area or you're going to the Invitational, be sure to uh, to stop by and get your, your Ruben token from, from Ruben. That's right. I have tokens. So stop <laughs> by and grab them. So, all right. Well, uh, that wraps us up for this week. Until next time, we are in contention. 